Um, Matthew 11 is our uh, verse for this morning. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Good morning, once again. I just want to say thank you to everyone uh, who since March has been helping us put on our streaming uh, services. We've had a close-knit team that's been doing that each week for you guys, and they've just been so faithful. So I just want to say thank you to them for their faithfulness. And also just to echo what Britton was saying, just thank you, church, for continuing to be the church. And I think that's what we prayed for and hoped for from the beginning of this, that just because we don't gather doesn't mean that we stop being the church. We are the redeemed people of God, and we do work of redemption, works of righteousness, works of justice, because it's who we are. It's who God has called us and redeemed us to be uh, as we follow in the way of Jesus. And so I want to talk just simply about that this morning. I want to talk about just continuing our discipleship to Jesus and what that's going to look like in this next season. So it was interesting as we were preparing for this sermon this morning, uh, Michelle had asked me, well, what's our verse for the week? You know, what's our passage? And I was like, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. I was like, okay. And, and so then I'm like thinking back through the year and like, okay, you know, where do we start? How do we start in January? Where have we come from? Where have we gone? And the crazy thing was, I don't know if anybody else remembers this. You probably don't, right? Who remembers what I say? We began the year in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. And it was at the beginning of the year that this, this passage was just heavily on my heart. And it just keeps coming up again and again. This offer to be Jesus' disciple. This offer to, to be with him in the journey of life. This invitation to walk with him. And I love the translation that we read this morning because it's an invitation to learn his rhythms of grace. It's an invitation to be an apprentice of Jesus, to become like him. And we've been highlighting this um, practice of discipleship here at Refuge for this last season. Discipleship is to be with Jesus. Discipleship is to become like Jesus. And finally, discipleship is to do what Jesus did. Discipleship is not a seminar. It's not a training from which we graduate, but it's a lifelong journey in the school of life with Jesus. That's what we're talking about. And I know for myself that, the, you know, in my limited experience as a human being in my late 30s, My testimony is, is if I have Jesus, if I'm with him, I can endure whatever life throws at me. And I think I am learning, like Paul the Apostle said, I have learned to abound. I have learned scarcity. I have learned all these things because we have Christ who's with us in the journey. 
He strengthens us. We can weather any storm. We can, as God said to Jeremiah, we can run with the horses and we can bear fruits in drought and scarcity. Back in January when we were reflecting on 2019 and our year of biblical literacy, at that time I felt strongly that this year's focus was to be the year of intentional discipleship. And so we began the book of Mark. Mark is all about being a disciple, and we had these plans for how we're going to roll out our disciple. And then, er, you know, March 15th or whatever it was the last time we met, it feels like a lifetime, just everything was just flipped upside down, turned over, and we just were launched into this season of just all of our rhythms, all of our practices being upended. But we're back now here at our location, gathering together on a Sunday morning. But I think it would be foolish to assume that since we are meeting on Sundays again, things are just going back to normal or should go back to normal. They aren't. And things probably aren't going back to normal for our world for quite some time. And I believe, as I said from the beginning of this whole pandemic and everything that's going on in our world, that the Lord is using this pandemic as a shaking, a testing, bringing us out of complacency and mediocre faith. For some, he's revealing the weakness of our faith, that we have been living vicariously through others. We have relied on others. We've relied on the Sunday gathering, and we have not truly been disciples of Jesus. And that's a good thing to be revealed. That's a good thing. Because we want to be disciples of Jesus. We want to be with Jesus. Because Scripture doesn't say, oh, if you have the church, you'll never be shaken. Oh, if you have a Sunday morning gathering, you'll never be shaken. Oh, if you have a corporate worship, you'll never be shaken. No, if we have God as our refuge and strength, we will not be shaken. Though the mountains crumble into the sea and the, and the sea waves crash, it says there is a city God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. That's what we want. And that comes through our discipleship to Jesus. And so we believe in this season and with the continued uncertainty of what is ahead, it's vital for us to take our discipleship into our own hands. Because whether there is peace and prosperity, hardship and scarcity, our call to be disciples of Jesus our call to the mission of God to make known his salvation, his rescue, because the world is so screwed up and there is not a politician, a leader on earth who can fix it. Salvation is of the Lord and the nations, our neighbors, our coworkers must know this good news. That God has done something and will do something about the state of the world. And it's our call to make that known. So as we move into this next season, we are changing up the weekly rhythms of refuge. And that's what we're calling this. We're calling this refuge, refuges, weekly rhythms. And our weekly rhythms will be our practical way for taking our discipleship into our own hands. And our goal is to be a Jesus-formed community. 
a community of people who are following the way of Jesus. He's the goal. That's where we're headed. That's who we want to be like. So we're practicing being with him. We're, we're training to become like him in order to do what he did. We want to be a Jesus-formed community on the mission of God. That's our conviction. And so how we do that, there has to be some practical steps for doing that collectively together. And so you've probably seen, if you're on Instagram or on our Facebook, you've probably seen this fourfold rhythm that we are, have been highlighting for this last season. It's study it, hear it, apply it, live it. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But we've gone about discipleship in many different ways over the years at Refuge, from in-depth Bible studies to classes to men's and women's fellowship to community groups. Uh, we've even had more just seasons of organic, like, okay, let's just allow community to grow naturally and just see what happens through this. But I believe and have had this conviction for some time that a casual approach to discipleship doesn't do justice to the call of Jesus to go into the world and make disciples. This isn't something that we are to do casually, but something that we are to organize and train for, to be disciples who make disciples. Every follower of Jesus is called to be a disciple who makes disciples. And we're not making disciples of ourselves. We're making disciples of Jesus. We're passing on that life of Jesus to others, that truth about Jesus to others, that they would walk as Jesus walks, that they would be with him, that they would become like him, that they would do what he does. I think most of the time we fall into a program that allows us to coast and plateau in our Christian journey, as I was referring to earlier. We can coast, we can become codependent upon the gathering or upon maybe a certain individual. But we believe by reshaping our weekly rhythms, we can take individual as well as communal responsibility in the process of our own discipleship. By reading and meditating on scripture in order to be shaped by it, by hearing God's word taught and preached to our community in order to obey it, and by meeting regularly to apply it, we can faithfully live it out in our community. Now, I just want to walk through these four things, and then I want to get the heck out of here because I am already sweating, and you probably feel like I do too. So let's walk through these. Let's talk about the application, and let's worship. Let's go home or go to the beach or something, right? So study it. What will this look like for refuge? So we know this at refuge. We have this conviction. Followers of Jesus are called by God to study and know Scripture. Probably one of the reasons why you've chosen refuge as your home, as your community, is because we have a deep appreciation and love and conviction surrounding God's word. It's not good advice. It's not something to make your life better per se. You know, uh, three healthy tips for your marriage or for your, you know, intimacy in your marriage, whatever, right? That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is good news about the rescue of God. And we believe that this must be meditated upon, that this is the most important information in the world. Scripture is a light to our feet. It's a lamp to our path, 
lamp to our path. And so in a confusing world of post-truth and the endless offers of meaning and fulfillment on hand by our culture, scripture must be our guide and number one voice if we are to be formed in the way of Jesus. I love what Eugene Peterson said in his book, Run with the Horses. He says, if we forget that the newspapers are footnotes to scripture and not the other way around, we will finally be afraid to get out of bed in the morning. Too many of us spend far too much time with the editorial page and not nearly enough with the prophetic vision. We get our interpretation of politics and economics and morals from journalists when we should be getting only information. The meaning of the world is most accurately given to us by God's word. Think about what David says or the psalmist, whoever it was, says in Psalm 1. How blessed is the man or the woman who meditates in the law of the Lord day and night. They shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. They're bearing fruit in every season. Whatever they do will prosper. They don't fear drought. They don't fear scarcity because they are rooted and grounded in truth. They have a clear vision of what is going on in the world. That Yes, there are evil powers at work in the world, but there is a greater power and he is seated on the throne and he said, I will make all things new. We need that vision. We need to constantly be recalibrated to that vision and we do that by personally being rooted in God's word. So church, we will be posting the weekly passage of scripture that we will be hearing the following Sunday in order for each person to read and study it on our own. I think last year, for some of you, the year of biblical literacy was a novel idea. Like, you actually read the Bible and keep reading it? Yeah, you just keep reading it. I've been a Christian, I was raised in a Christian home, I've been a committed Christian since I was 19 years old, and I'll tell you what, I started reading the Bible then, and I haven't stopped. I read Genesis to Revelation, I'm done, I read it again. And when I'm done, I read it again. And then I'll spend some time in the Gospels. And then I'll just read it again. Blessed is the man and the woman who meditates in the law of the Lord day and night. We have to be rooted in God's truth personally. So the idea is that all of us will be in Scripture together taking it in. What is God saying to me personally about this passage? We're just letting it marinate, as it were. Immerse yourself in the story of Scripture. Experience the passage personally. Listen to what it might be saying to your own life. So that's the first step. Study it. The second step is that we'll hear it. On Sundays, we will gather at our 930 services we've done for many years to hear that same passage taught. And here we're listening to how God is speaking and directing us individually and communally by his word. The reading of scripture is important, but scripture must also be preached and declared. As I was saying before, because it's not good advice. It is good news about what God has done to rescue and redeem us. It's about his promises to never leave or forsake us. His promise to return and heal our broken world. And we need the preached word. We need the gathering to recalibrate us to God's vision. God's vision for the world, God's vision for his people. And the, re- the gathering is, it's that recalibrating event to the true story of the world. That God is king 
and that he is coming to rule and reign in righteousness and justice. Now, this is pretty normal for refuge already. You're like, okay, well, how, how is this any different from what we've always done? So here are the two pieces that we are stepping into, and this is where your responsibility, personal responsibility, personal discipleship comes into play. Number three, apply it. We are asking each member of Refuge to be part of a discipleship group of two to four people. You'll meet once a week. The time and place is determined by a group vote. And we do encourage these groups to be gender specific. We think that that is better for confession, for prayer requests, for accountability. But the purpose of this meeting is not to talk about what we learned per se. It's not a Bible study. It's not a time to critique my teaching or whoever's up here. I mean, you can do that anytime. That's fine. But that's not the point. Like, I don't like what was said there. I disagree with it. That, that's not the point. The point is to ask for help and accountability in applying the teaching to our lives. That we get scripture and we work it into our lives personally. That we work it into our lives communally. Many times our Christian relationships turn into nothing more than commiserating about life or the evils of the world. We'll just talk about sports, politics, and the latest consumed media. But as followers of Jesus, we have the common goal of Christ's likeness and the mission of God. We must take advantage of this and push one another with grace and truth toward this goal of becoming more like Jesus through crucifying our selfishness and practicing the blessed way of Jesus. We believe that community is an essential part to following Jesus. You're not intended to live your life as a Christian without other Christians, to walk along with you, to point you to Jesus, to help you assimilate the gospel, to fight sin, to bear your burdens, so on and so forth. And so the point of these groups is to get that conviction, formation, and direction of Scripture into our daily lives and relationships so that we might be transformed by Scripture more and more into the image of Jesus. I think that these accountability groups, and we'll be, uh, we have a page on our website, we'll be posting uh, some tools for these groups, but... The accountability type questions would be, how did it go this week? Last week, you shared about patience with a coworker. You talked about how you have anger in your heart. How did it go this week? What did you learn about yourself and what did you learn about, the, about God? How did you need the gospel this week? How are you growing in that area of weakness? How can we be praying for you and supporting you? And then that exhortation, now go and do it, go and live it. Now the fourth piece is this, to live it. To live it. To do what Jesus did. To become a disciple that goes into the world and makes disciples, that shines the light of Christ, that just lives us out as though it's second nature. As we grow in our discipleship, we are to live out the implications of the story and scripture that we've been studying, hearing, and applying in the context of community. And this is what we want to encourage. We want to encourage each other toward missional community. And I know that that's a buzzword. And like, what the heck does that even mean? It's like the way we often throw around the word gospel. It's become a word, unfortunately, that what, is it, what does that mean? I, I don't actually, you have to clarify that or, you know, 
put some parameters around that for me. When I say missional community, this is the idea that we have in mind. We have a community of people that are following the way of Jesus. You know what our community needs? They need exposure to that community. They need to see the kingdom of God lived out in this community. But oftentimes, church becomes nothing more than a social club, insiders and outsiders. And of course, there is an aspect of this where we are worshiping God. We are sharing the truth of God with one another that outsiders don't believe. But we should think of this gathering as more of a retreat. We are coming here to retreat, to recalibrate, but we're being sent out individually, communally, as the kingdom of God, the colony of heaven and the country of death, so that our surrounding community might get a taste of Jesus. How does the risen and exalted Lord manifest himself to people in 2020? He does it through our lives. He does it as we bear one another's burdens. And people say, I've never found community like this. I've never found, seen love or forgiveness like this. That's how it happens. And refuge, this is already happening, naturally. Like the Playdate Pals, and if you know, you know. The Playdate Pals. Moms, you already do this. You are a missional community. And you already do invite your neighbors, unbelievers, people that you meet at the park have become your dear friends. What we are encouraging is that gospel intentionality. That we ask those deep questions about life, that we share our struggles and how Jesus is our hope. So we're just asking that what we're already doing, that we would add this gospel intentionality to it. Uh, during this pandemic, I won't say who or where, but a few of us met together, bonfire outside, socially distanced, mostly. And the whole thing was, a friend said, hey, I'm going to invite five friends. They don't know Jesus at all. And there, I think we're, I, I can't remember how many guys from Refuge were there. I had more gospel conversations that evening than I have had in years. That's it. It's like we're already doing these things. We're already gathering together. We're already hanging out. We're cycling together. Or you're going to the beach together. You're doing all these things. Invite unbelievers along so they can be exposed to the Jesus community. Listen to this. This is from Leslie Newbegin. This is beautiful. He says, how can this strange story of God made flesh, of a crucified Savior, of resurrection and new creation become credible for those whose entire mental training has conditioned them to believe that the real world is the world which can be satisfactorily explained and managed without the hypothesis of God? What's he saying? Our whole culture around us believes that we can live without God, that we can thrive without God, that we can be good without God. And you know what? That is falling apart right now. That is crumbling. People have no hope. They are despairing of life. What is our apologetic? How do we reach these people with the gospel? He says, these people can only be reached by a congregation which believes the gospel and lives it. That's it. 
We've got to live it out. Or he says again in another place, live in the kingdom of God in such a way that it provokes questions for which the gospel is the answer. So church, that's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to read scripture along with us that I'll be studying it, you'll be studying it, our elders will be studying it. We're all studying it together. We come, we hear what God's saying to us. We meet collectively in smaller groups to just work that out into our lives. And then we gather together in clusters and invite unbelievers, neighbors, and coworkers to be with us, to observe the life of Jesus, to observe his kindness, his grace, his mercy, the hope that is found in him and him alone. So you probably have a few practical questions. I addressed two of them. We'll have an FAQ on the website. And of course, uh, the elders and deacons, we're all available for questions. You can email us. But how will discipleship groups be appointed? Or these core groups, whatever they are, right? So this is what, this is what we think is going to be the best way to do this. Discipleship groups will form in two ways, organically and by appointment. We want to give space for people to gather naturally and organically. You already have deep ties with one another. That vulnerability and authenticity where you can confess sin, and we want to, we want to lean into that. That's beautiful. We don't want to change that up. So we want to give space for people to gather naturally, organically with those they already have a connection with, and yet we also want to make sure that everyone is accounted for because we are the body of Christ. And when one suffers, we all suffer. And it's about being a disciple who makes disciples, right? We're in this together. So for those who form discipleship groups, we would ask that you would register with Refuge. We'll have a place to do that on our website. Tell us who, when, and where, how often you meet. And those who are not part of a discipleship group will register as well. Hey, I haven't been able to make a connection with anyone. I don't know who's meeting. I'd like to get plugged into a discipleship group. We will plug you into those discipleship groups uh, and so that you can start practicing this rhythm. Now, refuge groups, these bigger gatherings where we are just like going out and inviting people. Who can start a refuge group? Anyone can start a refuge group. You do not need to get our permission to get a bunch of people together and go to the beach, go to the river. That's called a cult. We don't want to do that. It's weird. Just be free. Just live your life. Practice your rhythms as your family or that you already practice with your friends. But just be intentional in inviting unbelievers, outsiders into your home, into these gatherings. Again, with that gospel kingdom intentionality, sharing our faith, giving that faithful presence and posture, giving that hope and gospel-filled perspective. And we believe that through this fourfold weekly rhythm, we can, with greater intentionality, grow in our discipleship to Jesus. We can help others grow in theirs, and we can expose our city to the life and light of the kingdom of God. And again, our goal is to be a Jesus-formed community on the mission of God. We would love that every man, woman, and child in this city would know the name of Jesus and the story of God. That would be that would be amazing. That would be incredible. We could die happy. People know the name of Jesus. They know who he is and what he has done. I'll close with this. Dallas Willard from his book, The Great Omission, says, the greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture 
are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. Be it unto me, be it unto you. Let's pray together, church. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, that you would remake our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. Lord, we are naturally selfish. Lord, we naturally think about what is best for us, what is most comfortable for us. But Jesus, you left the courts of the glories of heaven. You entered into uncomfortability. You crossed uh, the street into foreign neighborhoods. Lord, you are the first and true missionary. And you did that to rescue and redeem us. Lord, would we not be held back by our own selfishness, by our own desire for self-preservation, from doing your work, from being like you? So cause us to hear your heart and love for us, for the world that is far from you. And help us to take our discipleship to Jesus as the most honorable, the most fulfilling, and the most purposeful calling that we could ever receive in this life. We commit ourselves, our families, this community, and this city to you. And we ask that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in Sonoma County as it is in heaven. Amen.